0: You know, as we begin this morning, I'm going, man, how, how do we start? And, and, and uh, the place that we start is by looking at Jesus, by fixing our eyes on Jesus. You know, the reality is that no one understands injustice and oppression like Jesus does. John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the Word. This idea is that Jesus has, has been there from the very beginning, which means that he has seen every moment of injustice that has ever unfolded. It means he was there in the very beginning when the very first person, Abel, was killed unjustly. Jesus Christ saw it. He saw it in the Israelites when his people for 400 years were mistreated and oppressed under Egyptian slavery. He saw it. He felt that he didn't turn his face away from it. He was in tune with what was going on. He's seen every bit of injustice that's been done in our country. It's hard to even think about, but... The way that Native Americans were treated in our own country, he's seen it. The way that that Africans were put on boats and separated from their families and brought to America to serve as slaves, he's seen it. And I was reminded this week as we talk about oppression and injustice that no one understands this conversation like Jesus no one has, has seen it like Jesus. No one has, has experienced it like Jesus. You look at the life and the death and the crucifixion of Jesus, and you just see the corruption all in it. I was thinking about this passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 26, verse 59, where it says this, that the leaders were looking for false evidence in order to put Jesus to death. Talk about corruption. Talk about injustice. Or you think about even his trial, and what a joke it was. That here, Pilate was more interested in, 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 in quieting the people, giving the people what they wanted, keeping the peace, than he was giving justice to this man who had done no wrong. And so, Pilate, in an effort to appease the people, gives them Jesus. This man who had done no wrong faces an unlawful, unjust death. Jesus has, has seen it with his eyes, he's experienced it with his life. But this morning, what I want us to, to wrestle with is, is Jesus, he shows us how he feels about injustice. And really, you, 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 you think about this. You learn what is important to someone by actually looking at their lives, by, by looking at how one lives, by looking at what one does. You know, our lives, they do not lie. If you want to know what is important to you, look at your life. And that will reveal to you what, what matters to you. And this is what is so important about Jesus because his lie tells us the truth about what he actually feels about those who have been oppressed, about injustice, about injustice. You know, Jesus, he, he had a lot of things to, to say about injustice, and the Father has a lot of things to say about it. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah, and the book of Amos, it is so clear that God cares so deeply about justice and righteousness. And in fact, you read through those books in the Old Testament, and these words just come up over and over and over again. And so uh, I encourage you to go watch the Bible Project. They do a video on justice and righteousness. It's so helpful. They talk about um, righteousness, and I don't know what you think about when you hear that word. Maybe you think about being holy or being right with God, and that is a part of what righteousness means, but but as you dig into the Old Testament understanding of righteousness, what it is, it's, it's rightly relating to other people. It's giving all people the dignity and the value they deserve because they are made in the image of God. That is righteousness. When God looks at us and he sees righteousness, he sees people who are interacting, treating people fairly and justly. The the definition of justice in the Old Testament, you know, so often maybe uh, you think about retributive justice, one getting what one deserves for doing something wrong. And and that is a part of justice in the Old Testament. But what you also see is not just retributive justice, but restorative justice. That that it's this idea of, of seeking out those who are oppressed and lifting them up. And standing with them, it's seeking out those who are in need. And, and there's no one that embodied this better than Jesus. And so we can read about it in the Old Testament prophets to, to understand God's heart. But there's something about looking at Jesus' life that has this way of telling us the truth about what actually matters to him. And you see it all through his life. I encourage you, man, to start reading the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus in the Gospels. It's everywhere. You see it in Matthew chapter 12 where, where the Pharisees who had the power of the day, They're watching Jesus under a microscope and his disciples. And one day, his disciples are doing something that they believe not to be lawful. And so they call him out on it. They blow the whistle. Hey, Jesus, what are your disciples doing? And I love what Jesus does is that as he stands in the way, he basically tells them to back down. (laughs) Like, Jesus stands up for those that get bullied. You see it in in John chapter 1 where where, where Jesus goes to the temple. And, And it's this story where he overturns the tables. And what you might not know is that the outer courts is where the Gentiles We're able to meet with God and encounter God and what Jesus shows up and and he sees this market that has been formed that has kept the very people that are trying to get to God, kept them away. And so he shows up and he's frustrated about it. Over and over and over again, Jesus shows up to help those who can't help themselves. You see it in John chapter 5 with a man who'd been paralyzed for 38 years and his line in John chapter 5 is, I have no one to help me. And you know what our king shows up and does? He helps him. Or you see it in John chapter four with this woman who'd been socially outcast and Jesus shows up and he meets her right where she is to show her that he sees her, that he loves her, that he values her immensely. And there's something about Jesus' life. Have you ever noticed how how someone's life, when they actually live out the things that they talk about, you actually wanna learn from them? Right, it's why this week when when, when knowing that it needed to speak into this, I sought out my friend Sarah, who has been actively just researching and living her life for, for justice for a long time. Or my friend Josh and his wife Molly who, who, who decided, man, we, we don't need to, to live in a place that's comfortable. And so they moved into a neighborhood where, where they're the minority. And I reached out to my friend Sarah and Josh and my friends AT and Jonathan this week and just going, hey, help me, teach me, speak to me this week. And, and there's something about Jesus' life that gives him credibility. So when Jesus speaks, we listen because his life proved that he cared about it. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a very important passage of Scripture. Jesus looks at us as a man of justice himself, and he says, I want you to be people that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to give the best of your life, the priority in your life to seeking the kingdom of heaven. You know, the reality is that each of us that are followers of Jesus, we are a part of the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is, is within us, and it's around us, and it's on this earth, and it's everywhere, but the reality is that it's not the only thing that's on this earth, that there's still darkness and there's evil, that there's so much to be driven out that is not of the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus, what he's saying is, I want you to give the best part of your life to partnering with me, to bring my kingdom to fill every corner of this earth, to every place that you see darkness, every place that you see things that are not gonna be as they are in heaven. Get rid of them, drive them out in the name of Jesus. And so Jesus looks at us at his followers in 2020 and says, I want you to give the best of your life to seeking my kingdom and to seeking righteousness. Now, now here's what we need to understand. In the Old Testament, there were two different words for the word righteousness and justice. And I don't know those words. I can't pronounce them. I don't speak Hebrew. But, but what I do know is in the New Testament, these words come together and they're one word. It's this word dikaiosune. And, and it's this word that means righteousness and justice. And it's just what, what, what the New Testament understood is that these things are, are so intertwined, they're not inseparable. That if you want to be a person of righteousness, and you'll find a person of justice as well. That righteousness is not just about being good with God. Righteousness is about being good with one another. And what he says, I want you to give the best of your life to seeking my kingdom, to seeking righteousness on earth. So here's what I want us to do Today. Um, As I was thinking about, man, we we could do so many different things today. And and understanding that this is going to be a marathon, right? This is not a sprint. Like so many of us, you've just felt conviction. you felt turmoil. And I want to just kind of give us two points. And we don't even have notes up on the screen, so you're going to need to write these down. But it's kind of as, as, as a step for us as a church family. The first thing I want you to think about is this. Let's not close our eyes. Let's not close our eyes. This is our first point this morning. You know, the significance of the moment that we are in right now. Isn't it interesting that that so much of our world is still standing still? Right, and and I think one of the things that God was, I think, helping me see is that that in the midst of this pandemic, things have slowed down, and he's been helping me see what he's seen for a long time. You know, I wonder how many black men and women have been killed over the years unjustly. And because we've been so busy, because we've had some, something else going on, practice or whatever, meetings, that we'll see it on the news, but it's out of sight, out of mind. And it's been interesting right now where there's this captive audience, and I think God is trying to show us his heart. You know, you think about, you, if you read the details around Amon Arbery's death, and you go, man, how was, how was a man killed um, two and a half months ago? And for two months, nothing happened, right? And you get in and you realize that in the Glen County Police Department, there was some corruption, there was some scandal, there was some cover up. And, and, and we're starting to see things that our black brothers and sisters have been saying for a long time. And God is going, this is what I've been seeing. Or you think about George Floyd, how often you've, you've seen something like that come up in your in your Insta feed and, and, and you scroll right past it. It hits you for the moment and God's got a captive audience right now. And he's going, see what I see the injustice, the corruption. You know, I was wrestling with this this week, feeling all kinds of things. And here's what I wanna to say to, to my black brothers and sisters, to my brothers and sisters that are people of color, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm so sorry for every time that, that you um, tried to share your experience with racism, or what you were feeling as these unjust things are happening all around us and and i or someone else was dismissive we tried to downplay it i'm sorry i'm sorry as as one of our church leaders when when we haven't listened to you i'm sorry that it has taken so many innocent lives to finally listen i'm sorry And I know that I'm sorry and confession is important in the healing process, but equally as important is the repentance. And you need to know that we're not just standing here. I'm not just standing here today saying these words with with, with emptiness and only time will be able to prove this, right? And so there's nothing that we can do in this moment other than, than, than for me to say we are going to be committed to this. This is important that we right the wrongs, that we be a people of justice that are pleasing to the Lord. And so right now, you know, it's, it's interesting because racial, like everyone is passionate about racial injustice, um, right? And, and, and here's what I want to encourage us to do, because something else is going to come along. And let's not just care about this when, when it benefits us, Right. The reality is it just benefits you right now to, to be a person that's not a, a, a bigot and it's not racist. It benefits you to be outspoken about these things. But I want to encourage you not just to, like Jesus, talk about things with your mouth, but to demonstrate them with your lives. And so many of our brothers and sisters that are people of color, they don't have the benefit of closing their eyes, of, of just going on to the next thing. And as we as a followers of Jesus, especially white people, Let's not close our eyes. It's part of waking up. I think God is giving us this window right now to see what he sees. And maybe up until this point, you could claim ignorance. But I think that God brings you to a place where it no longer can be called ignorance because you see it what it is. And it's at that moment that you have a choice what you will do, how you will respond. And I go, church family, I'm going to keep my eyes open. Will you keep your eyes open? Second thing I want us to think about this morning is the part that we play with Christ. And one more, one more thing I'll say before we, we kind of move on to this um, Keeping our eyes open, there's a, a, so many passages of Scripture that we could speak into. I want to just give us one verse from Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13. And this is what, what, what is written. It says, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. And so for us to understand that, that this is not like an elective course in college, like caring about justice and caring about people that are oppressed, it's not just like something we get to opt into. It's like, no, this is, this is what it means to be His people. So we're going to be people that, that, that keep our eyes open. The second part that we're going to lean into is, is understanding our part to play with Christ. And so we're going to keep our eyes open. And then the second point is, is our part that we play in this with Christ. You know, in, in sharing the gospel, I was thinking about how to explain this. Um, not, you know, none of us think that sharing the gospel is all Jesus' work. Right. We understand that our God works through amazing ways, that he works through dreams and envisions. But we also understand that our God has commissioned us to be people who speak and who share him. And it's through that sharing that God seems to work and seems to move. It's through this partnership. And, and the Lord was reminding me that the same is true in injustice, that that part of what we, we do is that we pray, but we don't just say, Hey, this is our job is to pray and then Lord, you make it happen. No, we say, we're going to pray and the Lord, we're going to make it happen with you. And I want us to understand this because it's important that that part of of this conversation of injustice and oppression is a battle that only Jesus can fight, right? And that's not just putting things on Jesus. The reality is that there's this verse in Philippians chapter 3 that says this, that, that who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his power, everything under his control. And I go, I don't know about you, but I can't bring hardly anything under my control. I've got you know, three kids, I've got five kids in the house right now. It is so hard to, to get things under control in my own house, right? Sometimes I can't even do it. And Jesus is letting us know that there's something about him that is different, that in a moment that he can subjugate everything under him, and then he will. That all darkness will be driven out. So we understand that, that this is a battle that Jesus has to fight, because it's a battle in the heart. Um, that so much of injustice and, and racism is in the heart. And no matter how much you want to do this, you can't get that out of your own heart. You can't get it out of your sister's heart. You can't get it out of your neighbor's heart. It is a thing that Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, has to do. And he wants to do it. He's standing at the door knocking on hearts. Ezekiel chapter 36, he will give new hearts. And so we understand this is a battle for Jesus, but it's also a battle for us. And so let me talk through personally what I believe this looks like, and this I'm no expert on this, right? I did feel the sense to, to give us some things to, to live into, to take some steps, understanding that, that taking steps doesn't mean that we're going to figure it all out in one moment, but I know that our church family, that so many of you are like me, you felt conviction, you wanted to do something, and you go, what do I do? I don't know what to do, and, and the world is louding, is yelling and shouting, and I just want to follow Jesus. Help me to do that. And so I want to just give us five things this morning, real quick. As we think about what it looks like to partner with Jesus, to drive out injustice, drive out oppression, to bring the kingdom of heaven more fully onto earth. And so the first is this, that we will be people who listen. And this is a point that's directed at those of us who are white. You know, those of us who, who have this, this skin color, okay? And I really want to encourage us, man, let's, let's not deflect or be defensive or blame others when phrases like white supremacy come up. You know, when, when when we are so quick to say, you know, I'm not a racist, or that's not a thing anymore, we what we're doing is we're actually perpetuating the very thing that we're working against, which is this belief that that we know everything, that we have it all figured out, that we understand everything. And the Lord was reminding me this week the importance in listening, in learning, in being willing to sit in, in the hard words that that some people are speaking. The reality is that there, are, that there are systems and structures that I don't understand, but my black brothers and sisters, people of color, go, man, there are systems and structures that are working against us. And for me to be like, no, that's not true, it just perpetuates this lie. And so I encourage us to be people that listen. The second thing I want to encourage us to do is to be people of justice. There's so many ways that we could talk about this, but the first is, man, treat people how you want to be treated. This is Matthew chapter seven. These are from the words of, of Jesus. You know, be fair be honest in everything that you're doing. Do not take advantage of someone else. Do you realize that the Father and Jesus Himself, they see every bit of injustice that you're doing? And so there's no place that you can hide. There's no place that you're doing things that, that's not going to be found out. I encourage you to be a person of justice, of truth. But it's beyond just you and know, you the hidden places. Man, I encourage you to, to speak up when there's injustice. You know, when I found out about Ahmad Arbery, I knew, man, there's, there's more for me to do than just to, to feel bad or to get on Instagram. So I reached out to one of my friends, and I'm like, hey, do you know of any petitions right now that, that can help prosecute these, these people that, that killed Ahmad Arbery? And, and, and she sent me this, this petition, and, and I want you to understand that when, when things like this surface all over our country, there are petitions that you can sign that really go to legislature that help people prosecute those who are doing wrong, and this is an active step that you can take. I encourage us to to care about policy because policy so often, it affects the poor and the oppressed. I remember going to a luncheon with uh, one of my friends. He's a pastor over in the Marathon neighborhood. and, And I showed up and I'm one of the only white guys in this room full of people of color. And so much of their conversation was about politics. And what I realized is that, man, I benefit from politics. And so it doesn't have to be part of my conversation. It doesn't have to be a part of the things that I'm fighting for. But in that room, I learned, oh man, they're not just giving the same things that I have. I encourage us to be people of justice. So we listen, we become people of justice. The third thing that I want to encourage us to do is to educate ourselves, be a self feeder you know, it's not someone else's job to educate you, right? Just in the same way, it's not someone else's job to feed you or to clothe you or to get a job for you. It's your job. It's part of being a mature adult is that you take the initiative, you take the action. And so I wanna give us just two really quick places. And we'll have lots of resources over the next few weeks and months that that I know so often in in seasons like this and moments like this where you wanna do something. You don't even know where to begin. Like everyone's got like 100 books and 100 podcasts and 100 things. And you're like, man, I'll just stay up the rest of my life all through the night. I'll be listening to podcasts and reading books. And and, and if you're like me, you go, I want to learn, but I don't know where to step. And so I want to just give us two quick things. Um, Right now, we're going to throw up in the the live chat a link. Um, This is a letter that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote to white pastors, in particular, in the 60s when he was in prison in Birmingham. And I encourage you to, to click on that and to read that at some point today, just as a first step. I never read it before. The second thing I want to encourage you to, to do is, is to read this book. And I just uh, got referenced it by my friend Sarah, and it's the it's the book called The Color of Compromise. And I'm just like a chapter in, so I'm not very far in at all, man. But there is some truth in it. It's a it's written by this this man that is an evangelical. He's a follower of Jesus, and I go, man, there just it speaks. And I encourage you to let these two places, and and you might be so much more advanced in this and and you might be looking at me going, man, there's so much more to learn. You're exactly right, that is true. But for my brothers and sisters who are wanting to take a step in order to reconcile this, these are two references that you can lean into. The fourth thing that I want to say is I encourage you to to take inventory of your life. My my sister, Sarah, said, uh, told me this this week that take inventory of your life. So literally, take some time this week and to go, man, who are my friends? And what color skin do they have? And who do I spend my time with? And, 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 and who are my coworkers? What color skin do they have? And where do I tend to, 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 to drift when I have some time to read? What kind of um, book am I reading? What color is the skin of the author? What about podcasts that you're listening to? Or even think about this. What part of town in Nashville do you hang out in? Do you ever give any thought to, to giving business to black men and black women that own businesses? And I go, for us to to, to take some inventory of our life? And and, and this isn't inherently bad. Like, if you spend all your time in white neighborhoods around white people, it doesn't make you evil. AT was telling me this. You're just missing out. You're missing out on culture and life and understanding. You're missing out on part of seeing life as God does. So I encourage you to take inventory of your life and to think about what steps are you going to take to diversify your life, to make it look more like the kingdom of heaven? Revelation chapter seven, verse nine says that that one day we're going to stand around Jesus with every tribe and nation and tongue, that it's all going to be interspersed. It's not just going to be white people and black people and people all separated around the throne. Jesus said, we're intermixed. And I go for us to think about how can we start to integrate that into our lives right now, that we take inventory of our life. And the fifth thing that I want to share before we wrap up today is, is a relationship. My brother Jonathan was reminding me that, that Jesus will heal this through relationship. And it doesn't mean that you just, you know, leave all your white friends behind and go try to find people of color right now. I think what it looks like is that you start to make some intentional shifts to put yourself around places of different skin color. Start eating at different restaurants. You know, start start doing things that that make you a little bit uncomfortable. If you are wanting to, to, to understand and to develop friendships with people of different skin color, it's not my job to do that for you. It's your job right? And it's my job to to do that in my own life, right? And for us to understand that we can blame each other and point fingers all day, but until we take the the, the initiative in doing it ourselves, we're never going to make any progress. And so it's all on us. And so as you think about this, this is going to be the long play. Um, You know, we're not going to fix this today. As much as I want to fix, as much as I want to relieve the tension, you know, make things easier and lighter, um, my guess is that this is going to be a marathon, that 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 we are willing to do the hard work for 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years that over the long haul, significant change is made. So here, here's how we're going to end today the same way that we started, by looking at Jesus. Second, Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that God reconciled the world to Himself through Jesus. That He made us right, that He brought us home, that He has forgiven us and filled us with the Spirit through Jesus, through Jesus' willingness to step into some uncomfortable and hard places for our benefit. And so this morning, I want us to, to, to understand that we, in 2 Corinthians 5, we don't just receive reconciliation, that we actually are agents of reconciliation. That it's our job to step into the hard places, to reconcile things on earth, Make them like they are in heaven. And so we're going to throw this slide up on the on the screen. I encourage you to wrestle with this right now. Wrestle with it throughout the, this week. Just asking Jesus, Jesus, will you show us where to take a step with you in order to bring others into your abundant life and your everlasting kingdom? Show us the steps that you want us to take. I'm going to pray for us and we'll take communion. So God, I pray that you would make us people just like you transform us, Jesus. I'm so grateful for the way that you do that, for what you're doing right now. We pray for more and more of it. We love you, Jesus. We love you for who you are, for the way that you care about us, the way that you're, you're, you're helping us care the way that you do. Move in our hearts, God. moving our homes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.